We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Jess, are you ready for rapid fire? Boom, boom, boom. Let's get this thing going. I want to start with Corey's question here. He said on Lucky Lefty, they were saying if Notre Dame went 11-1, and chances of them making the playoffs were slim to none. And Corey wants to know what we think about that. What do you think about that? 11-1, and what chance do you give Notre Dame for the playoff? Um, Man, that's such... I just I really don't like talking about these hypotheticals so early because you just you just don't know what's going to happen. Right. Like best case scenario, uh, Ohio State wins out. Um, USC wins out with an only loss to Notre Dame. Like both of those benefit Notre Dame tremendously. Like if you have a Pac-12 champ and a Big 12 or a Big 10 champ and you lost on the last possession of the Big 10 champ and then you beat the Pac-12 champ. Like there's arguments that can be made, but it's just you just got to kind of ha- see how things like unwind. I like there's, there's a possibility what 11 and one Notre Dame gets in there. I'd say right now it's like 50, 50. If Notre Dame goes 11 and one, I put it at 50, 50 at this point. And the, the scale would tip depending on what other teams do. But when Notre Dame loses, it, they immediately need help from other people. I think that's yeah. the, the biggest thing. And I mean, it's, it's still, it, you know, it sucks that it's a quality loss, but it's still a quality loss to, a good Ohio State team. Now, I think slim to none is a little bit far because remember when they I think that's an exaggeration. If yeah, that's when they lost to Cincinnati at. a couple of years ago, they ended up being number five. They just missed the playoffs and Cincinnati made it in. If you know, so like that came right down to the wire in terms of them getting in. They needed help going into the conference championship weekend. They got help, but they ultimately just missed out. So slim to none, I would put it. I would actually put it like 50-50 at worst and maybe even 60-40 because like you were just talking about the Pac-12. Who's ranked ahead of them right now? Washington, USC, Oregon, Utah. Those teams are all going to be playing each other. Right. They're going to take care of each other. Right. And plus Notre Dame plays USC. So if Notre Dame is 11-1, and they will have beaten USC. So they'll be ahead of USC. Now, Florida State could be a problem because of the fact that you know, they've played the toughest of their schedule, really. Uh, they still have to play Duke here coming up, so that'll be a hurdle and, and potentially in a conference championship game. It's the, the bottom line is 
we're still only a month into the season and there's too many games to be played. All, yeah. yeah, there's going to be other teams with with one loss as well. Not all of these teams are going to win out. And well, so that's I think the real they've advantage. actually got a, a, a solid shot at making it. That's the real advantage to Notre Dame is they lost a close game early, right? Like you don't want to lose that. You don't want to lose that type of game in week 11 or week 12. It's actually beneficial yep. if you're going to lose to get it out of the way. Um, now, so yeah, it's 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 really just a toss up to me. You got to there's, there's so much more football um, to be talked about, and that's yeah. like the frustrating part is like let's just focus on Duke, Louisville, and USC before we start talking about eleven and one and you know playoff chances and stuff like that. There's just so much more good football to be played right now. This is false, Scott. I'm sorry, I don't know where you got that, but it's not just who you beat. It it does matter. <laughs> Because this, they still look at at the strength of schedule that you have. You know, they might not say quality loss, but if you're in there with a team that is in the mix for a college football playoff spot, it does matter. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans, after all, it's only pressure, you got this, Adidas. Audric Estime currently has 591 rushing yards, which is more than twice as much as Notre Dame's next two rushers, Jeremiah Love and Jadarian Price combined. Do you buy or sell Estime having that same ratio by the end of the season? I buy that, and I think it's going to be hold very true to like a basically a two to one ratio the entire season, just because of uh, it's it's how the snap shares are broken down. Audric Estime always gets half of basically half of the carries. And then Price, Ford, Payne, Love kind of get the remaining half, right? Like it's like Audrey Gessemay is always going to get his half and then how the rest of them are split up between the other half. That's basic, That's the more of the question to me at, at the end of the day. So it's always going to be that ratio because Audrey Gessemay is always going to see at least half the ref, reps to himself. And then the other half of the reps are split up between like four guys. And so, yeah, exactly. I just – I just see that that's the, the trend that's going to be, you know, throughout the season. And I mean, if you look at the at the split right now, Estime has 77 carries this year. Love has 26. Price has 19. And Payne has 25. And then Ford only has four carries. But like 
So, like, you look at those reps right there, and it's literally the four other guys are equaling up to right. what what Estime has done. And that's by and, design. Yeah, and I don't I don't think that it's going to change either. He's he's going to remain the workhorse. He will be the workhorse. <laughs> I think he's going to push for. I I think I undersold him at the start of the season. I think he's going to be well over twelve hundred yards, and he's going to be pushing upwards of that by the time it's all. Yeah, said I think and done. he's going to be close to fifteen hundred. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And, and and again, it just makes it more baffling why we didn't see more of him at the end of the game the other night. Is Hartman for Heisman talk officially over now? I throw this in the same boat as the 11-1 and one conversation. Um, there's, there's a lot of football to be played left. Um, I think that Sam Hartman uh, – Sam Hartman's stock – probably peaked before the Ohio state game. And it, it's probably, you know, come down a little bit, right? Like if at the beginning of the, if the start of the Ohio state game, if his stock was at like a dollar, I put his stock post Ohio state at like 85 cents, maybe 90 cents uh, comparatively. But like we said with the, you know, with the whole 11 and one discussion, there's just so much more good football and good opportunities for Sam Hartman going forward that I don't think it's officially over. I just think it's a little, a little on you know uh maybe pause or a little bit on standby here for a little bit just to see i think the usc game will be kind of where it, it's either you know is it over or are we still continuing to talk to him about him as a heisman hopeful last week was a chance to really he really launch himself into that conversation but it just didn't happen it wasn't that he had an awful game but he also didn't have a great game right but the things that work in his favor, just numbers-wise right now, 14 touchdowns, no interceptions. He's completing 70% of his passes. And I think it's also important to remember, Caleb Williams lost twice last year and still ended up winning the Heisman. So it's not like you have to be undefeated, but Williams was just so good and became, I think, the obvious guy that he was able to overcome the fact that he had a couple of losses and was still able to win the Heisman Trophy. The big thing for Hartman, he plays for Notre Dame. He's going to, I mean, look at the stretch that he's in right now. He's going to play in primetime four consecutive weeks. So he just kind of, I, I think Stymie said it, it's on pause maybe right now. He is not out of it by any means. Maybe, you know, maybe pause is the best way to look at it. Didn't vault himself into the conversation last week, but he still has plenty of opportunities to do that, just like he said, especially with USC coming up here in a couple of weeks and the fact that he's going to be on in primetime with a chance to get a lot of eyeballs on him over these next over this stretch. So college game day, as we mentioned, is going to be on location at Duke this weekend. Do you buy or sell having it for a second straight week having an impact on the Irish? I think it has a positive impact on the Irish at the end of the day, and I'll tell you why. Um, I think when you are the host of the college game day, it is far different. It is vastly different from the away team or the opponent, because when you're the when you're the home team, your head coach is doing interviews, your players are doing interviews like it's just it, it takes more out of the home team than it does the away team. The away team can sh focus on showing up, playing football. And that's really it. There's just so many more side things that the home team has to worry about. And so. Granted, game day is now, you know, Notre Dame is involved in two straight game days. It is way less significant being at Duke compared to at home 
against Ohio State. I, there's just way more focus as the away team. I agree. I, I think that uh, as the home team, there's there's more distraction for you because, like you said, now you've got – and, again, you've got the McAfee show on Friday. You've got game day, actually, on Saturday. So you've got a double dose of all this stuff going on. You've got more commitments if you're the home team. They didn't have Ohio State guys out there for the right. interviews last week. It's it's always the home team. And this is going to be the first time ever that Duke has, excuse me, hosted this thing. So there's going to be a lot more hype and hoopla going on. And I think the players will feel it more because they haven't, yeah. they've never been there before. They feel this need exactly. to live up to the expectation. Nerd Aim just needs to show up and, and have that that taste of vengeance in their mouth and just come out and you know physically dominate Duke all game. We mentioned earlier in the show that Ken Jeong from uh, the hangover and community and those kind of shows is he's uh, he's going to be the guest picker for game day. He announced it on social media today and, and salty said, are there any other quote unquote famous Duke graduates? How, how hard was it? I mean, I think he's definitely the biggest true celebrity, you know, like Rob Lowe. I know at least one of Rob Lowe's kids has gone to Duke. I don't think Rob Lowe, Rob Lowe didn't actually go to Duke, but I know at least one of his kids. So he has a connection, just like Vince Vaughn never actually went to Notre Dame, but they had Vince Vaughn doing the picks. And obviously there are a ton of famous basketball people who went to Duke, but in in, in terms of, of true celebrities, I think Ken Jeong is, is definitely probably the most famous guy that they have that they could throw in there. So we talked yesterday about the Michigan State chatter about Marcus Freeman. There's also been a lot of talk about Sparty's potential interest in Duke head coach Mike Elko. If you're Elko, you're at Duke, you've had the success at Duke, how desirable is Michigan State? I think I think Michigan State is actually a really desirable um, destination. And I don't know – like, when you think about it, there in terms of, like, the state of Michigan, there's Michigan and Michigan State, Right. And like Michigan State, well, obviously hasn't, you know, they're not the same as Michigan in terms of tradition and, you know, all of the accolades and accomplishments in terms of football, but it's still a, a desirable campus to go to. It's still a power five. You're still in the Big Ten. It's still, you can recruit, you know, still very well at the same time. So I think with everything that's going on around Michigan State recently, I think that's more of a turnoff than anything is like, I think you would want to look at more so as an at, at like an administration level, like is the program being run how it's supposed to? Do you believe in the people who are running, you know, the, the, the higher ups in terms of the campus? I think that is more so of a question because I think football itself and Michigan State, like, yeah, I think it is a desirable outcome because, again, you're still in the Big Ten. You're still able to recruit with, you know, everyone else. It's it's it, there's a lot of advantages there. And so I, I do think it is. Um, and I, I would say that it would be a step up from Duke as well at, at the end of the day. I do too. I think you're going to turn it into a big pay raise. Look, you're in the ACC and you're at Duke. You're at a basketball school trying to win football games. And it's a, it's a lot different when you're trying to do that. There's a reason Duke has only periodically been good. And kudos to Mike Elko for what he has done. But the Duke job from a football standpoint is just the kind of job where you're trying to flip yourself and put yourself into a position where you can end up the head coach at a bigger, higher profile football school in the power five. And I think Michigan state is a step up. I think, like you said, the only thing that maybe gives you any pause is just the fact that there has been so much dysfunction 
that's gone on at Michigan State over the last few years. Now, this current thing with Mel Tucker, I don't think that you can pin on the administration, but you obviously can pin on Tucker, and, and they moved him out and got him out there, got him out of there as quickly as possible. But I do think it would be a step up. Like Michigan uh, State was like was like on the same playing field as Penn State there for a while, and I mean they were beating they were beating Michigan right Right. like they were beating Michigan early in Jim Harbaugh's tenure. They went to a playoff once. So I I just think there's a lot of untapped talent there. Yeah, Tommy Guns wants to know if we think Coach Golden has performed well enough to get a call and interview from Michigan State. Always a good look to get coordinators promoted i i don't know why i sense a little snark (laughs) in there but i mean he has been a power five head coach before and you look statistically at at what his defense has done some good things there yeah i think he would get an interview i if he was interested but i don't think he's interested in being a college head coach anymore i think that i think those days are past him that's just my opinion i guess we'll find out Andre put this comment in earlier, says he wants the offense to regain their swagger. If the defense can continue to play hard, aggressive, and limit any mistakes as they might have. We are not Marshall. Why do you think Notre Dame's what's, – what's your take on why they're struggling on third down, getting off the field? I don't think – I don't think Al Golden is committed to an identity of who he wants to be on third down. I think he's he gets too caught up of – he even said it in his press conference. He – he gets caught up of, do I blitz? Do I not blitz? I? He just overthinks it a little bit too much. I think they just need to figure out their identity of what works best for them on third down and, and get out of this experimental stage. And I, I just think that they tried to get too fancy on, on third down. There's there's no harm of sitting back a little bit and making a team beat you, making a team a quarterback go through multiple reads and get the ball out. But when you bring pressure now, it's man on man. And and the quarterback doesn't have to think he just sees and kind of, you know, gets rid of the ball. Right. And so I I just, to me, it boils down to, they they don't have an identity of who they are on third down. They don't know what works for them on third down. Yeah. And this one from Kenny, why, why they're struggling so much to get pressure on the quarterback is just, it's baffling to me. It's really baffling. Is it as, is it as simple as they're getting the ball out too quick? I, you know, I don't think so. Has it been there? Do you buy or sell that Florida State should be ranked number one in the nation right now? I heard some national guys talking about this. What do you think about this? It's always crazy seeing everyone's kind of polls come out, right? Like I've seen Ohio State as number one. I've seen Georgia as number one. I've seen Florida State as number one. Um, If we're talking, you know, strength of schedule and who's accomplished the most and put on – you know, the best resume so far, then yeah, I, I would have, I would have um, Florida State at number one. Obviously you beat LSU. I mean, Southern Miss isn't anything special. Boston College isn't anything special. And they barely squeaked out that Boston College win. Um, but then, you know, I know Clemson's not, not great or not as good as they've been in the past, but it's still a hard place to win at on the road. It's a very solid team. There's still lots of talent at Clemson. And so to me, if you combine Clemson, and LSU, I, I do think that they they at least deserve to be in that conversation of number one. I think they should at least be number two. When you've got a two-time defending national champion like Georgia, I realize you're supposed to base everything on what's going on in the current season, but it's been, what, a, like almost two calendar years since they actually lost a game, and they're still unbeaten right now. They have at least beaten one SEC team so far. I, 
I, I just I don't get the Michigan love. What like why is Michigan why why are some people so hot on Michigan? Like Michigan got a first place vote this week, and they're because they're, they're beating there. all these weak teams by twenty four more say. points. All they've done is beaten weak teams so far. They've they've beaten absolutely nobody, but there's no doubt apparently in voters' minds about them as the number two team in the nation. Florida State has played a much tougher schedule so far when you factor in LSU and Clemson. So I, I think that at the very least, Florida State should be number two. Maybe not number one, but I, I think that they are worthy of being ahead of Ohio State and Texas and Michigan. I think that they should be number two behind Georgia. Right? Yeah, now. I mean, my top four in no particular order would be Georgia, Florida, Washington and like Ohio State probably. Mm-hmm. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Fill in the blank. It's blank that the XFL and USFL are going to merge. It is a fabulous idea because we have not seen any of these leagues uh, be able to sustain themselves on their own. And it feels like they're, they're take rather than they're, they're kind of taking away from one another, right? Like they're kind of hurting or going against each other. And if both of these, you know, leagues markets are struggling, why not just combine them to co- combine the two to come together and kind of, you know, join forces essentially at the end of the day and put out an even better product and an even more profitable product at the end of the day. I just think it's a great idea. And maybe people are start trying to uh, start to think with their heads a little bit because it's it's like, again, why these are such niche leagues. Why would you try to create two of them rather than just one big one together? Exactly. Exactly. If they're going to survive, I think that you need to combine all the forces that you can. You got the rock in there. With, with you know with the XFL and and doing his thing, I the, I think it's going to be hard enough even for this merged product right product to survive. I think that the only way that it can survive though is by joining forces like this, and they officially announced it today. I mean, like just look at the whole thing with Brandon Aubrey, the kicker for the Dallas Cowboys. One example. Cavante uh, Turpin, the Dallas Cowboys return man slash wide receiver. They both came out of the USFL in the last two years, and both of them have jobs in the NFL. And there are other guys like that as well. I, I think that I think the next step for 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 this merged league now is yes, Tommy Guns. This was the next thing out of my mouth is to be a developmental league. They need to work in concert with the NFL to be a developmental league for the NFL 
if they can get some NFL resources behind them, I think that this can be great for everybody. Give give guys who you know maybe weren't drafted out of college or who were drafted didn't make an NFL roster. Give them opportunities to continue to play and become feeders. <laughs> yeah, what I would do, of course, is... El keys to door more Arlington Cowboys. To... I'm just giving you two examples <laughs> that I know of off the top of my head. I can't spit out, you know, other USFL roster guys. I know that the team that I watch every week, Brandon Aubrey, by the way, is the former Notre Dame soccer player who is the kicker for the Cowboys, and and Turpin has been on the roster for the last two years. Just just giving examples that I can tell you about of guys that have made it out of the USFL into the NFL. I would like it where there'd be 16 teams and each team is like a, a basically a, a an NFL affiliate. Like the Cowboys and Eagles would basically sponsor a team. The Giants and Commanders would basically sponsor a team. And their players would be guys that specifically the Cowboys are trying to maybe, like you said, develop down the road and, and actively join their, you know, 53 man roster, or whatever it might mm-hmm. be. But I think it'd be nice to have teams associated with some of these, you know, yeah. this, this merged league. So then it, it actually feels like there's something that they're, you know, working towards, right? Like obviously they're playing each other for a championship, but the ultimate goal is to, to make it to the NFL. Right. And so it's but like, there could like, be collaboration from the NFL in terms of like, right. We'd like so to it's almost like minor league fo- team. Yeah, exactly. Didn't mean to cut you off there. Greetings, Brent. That was all I had to say. So a little baseball here at the end. There's uh, some controversy in Hotlanta last night. Ronald Acuna (laughs) Jr. became the first 40-70 player in Major League Baseball history. 40 home runs and 70 stolen bases in a season. So it's the 10th inning last night. He comes to the plate after he had reached that milestone I, I believe in his previous at bat and on the uh, the base pass with his stolen base, they stopped the game in the tenth inning to do a tribute video for Ronald Acuna. Fair or foul? This is a hundred percent foul, and this is not. This is I know this is against the Cubs, and I was watching it in the moment. But here's all I got to say about this, right? Like, it's the forty seventy club. That's fine, but Acuna stole the base. He picks up the base like he's Ricky Henderson. He gets his standing <laughs> ovation, and then they play a full-on montage after that. And it's like, I, like if this was like you know, two weeks ago, three weeks ago, I think I'm fine with it. But it it's just, the last week of the season. It's you're, the last week of the season, and they're in, in extra race. innings, and the Cubs are fighting for their lives in a tied game. And now we're icing the pitcher because Ronald Acuna needs a five-minute standing ovation because he stole his 70th base of the season. I don't care that you do it, but let's not do it in the middle of the game in one of the more critical games going on right now. The Cubs are in a playoff race. They are deadlocked in a heat. We're in extra innings, and you're just stopping the game so that we can all appreciate Ronald Acuna for a 47. It's not like he set the single-season steal record. It's not like he set the single-season home run record. He didn't do anything. It was just a, a club that's never been reached before in terms of combination of home runs and stolen bases. Wait till the inning is over. Wait till the yeah. game is over. It's not appropriate for the middle of the game when a team is fighting for its playoff hopes. Uh, literally an extra innings. Completely agree. There's no reason to do it in the middle. Like you said, while while the game is being played, when you've got pitch clocks and all this different stuff 
now and you're upsetting the rhythm of the pitcher. And again, you're in extra innings in both teams. Now the Braves are going to be in the playoffs. The Cubs are fighting for the playoff lives. They either should have done it between innings if they had to do it last night, or they should have just saved it for before the game tonight and done a little ceremony. And they probably will. They'll probably do another ceremony for him tonight after they stop down the game last night. Uh, I think it's ridiculous to do that. I'm not being a hater. It's just, it, there's a lot at stake and you can't just start icing out a pitcher for five minutes when he's already on the mound and warmed up like this. This now does, does Daniel Palencia get five warm up pitches? Cause he had to sit here and wait for five minutes. Like I just, I don't understand like the Braves didn't take they didn't consideration. Just make an announcement. They literally showed a whole highlight tribute That's video I mean. to the guy. It's ridiculous to do that in the middle of the game. Again, unless you're going to do it between innings when you're not messing with, you know, what what people are doing. Actually, you know, trying to do their job out there. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, that's going to do it for tonight. Again, uh, the, the injury news from the start of the show. Jaden Thomas, hamstring, questionable slash doubtful. Deion Colsey will definitely be out this week and for the next couple of weeks with the knee, Eli Raritan working his way back into form. We could see Eli Raritan as soon as next week when Notre Dame plays down at Louisville. So that's kind of exciting as well. Well, that's going to do it. Hit the like button on your way out. Subscribe, rate, and review. And uh, I guess we will talk to you on IB Countdown to Kickoff coming up this weekend. Otherwise, next week on IB Nation Sports Talk.